James chapter 1. You know, um, I've always, for years now, I've, I've always loved the uh, special forces in the military. I love those guys, Josh. They're my heroes. They really are. <laughs> I love, in particular, uh, Green Bay, uh, Green Bay, <laughs> not the Green Bay Packers, the Green Beret, the uh, uh, Army Rangers. Wasn't your dad an Army Ranger? Uh, Green Beret, okay. And uh, my favorite is the Navy SEALs. I've, lo- I've, I've always enjoyed, been fascinated by these guys. If you ever get a chance, watch documentaries about them, what they have to go through. It's unbelievable. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about them regarding this passage, <coughs> which I've, d- I've done this years ago, but looking at it again this week. The, the training they have to go through, unbelievable, so difficult. The guys that train for the Navy SEALs come from the Navy itself. And when they, they go to the training, and they're, they're, they set up a bell outside of a building, and they tell the guys, look, we're going to put you through some crazy, unbelievable training, and it's going to be exhausting, and you're going to just want to die. And when you watch them, you'll see why. And, and they say to the guys, look, if you want to quit, you can quit. We won't say anything. You'll go back to the Navy. Nothing will be said about you at all, because at least they tried. And so they'll set up a bell, and they'll say to them, look, just if you, if you want to quit, get up from where you are, even if we're in the middle of an exercise or something, go ring the bell, and you're done. That's it. And we'll send you back to the Navy, no problem. Do you know that of all the guys that go off in the Navy SEALs, 75% of them drop out? 75%. The training is so difficult and so hard, so tough, that it's, it's tough to endure it. This brutal training lasts for about 30 months. And what these guys go through, it's exhausting, the training they get on land. They have to swim in cold ocean water in California, very cold water, uh, temperatures down in the low 50s. Think about that for a minute. Swimming for long periods of time out there. Uh, They have to, at times, there's a a phase they go through called the dive phase, where they're in low temperatures of low 40s in the water. That's that's very cold in the water. If if you don't know what I'm talking about right now, that how cold water can get out there. Um, try it sometimes in, in some water not so cold, and you'll still, you'll still feel it. They go through desert training, preparing for anything that might, if they were sent to a desert area. Go through training in the city to prepare, prepare them for urban training. They go through training in the ocean, as we've said. Uh, they go through jungle training. It's not just one thing. Their job is to fight terrorism. They do the nasty, dirty jobs on foreign fields that no one wants to do. Scary, dangerous jobs. The training they go through is dangerous. Guys that go into this, they die. People have died in training. Uh, Trying to become a Navy SEAL is so dangerous. Very tough. And then they do the most difficult things in a war. They're the guys that go out first in a a war and set things up. And nobody even knows what they're, they're out there. Four to six guys on a team on a beach somewhere in a foreign country causing massive destruction at times for all kinds of people, just four guys. And, uh, or they're very quiet at other times where nobody knows they're there doing their job. Why do they go through all this difficult training? Why do they go through all this intense, insane training? To get them ready for the war, to get them ready for battle, to get them ready to fight, to get them ready to do their job. If they didn't go through this intense training, they would not be ready to do what these guys do. You don't even hear half what these guys do, by the way. They don't even report it. It's top secret. But they go through this training to do that. And when you come to James chapter 1, and let's read James 1, verses 1 through 4. It says there, James, the bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
to the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings. Right off the bat, look what he talks about. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. He talks about trials right away. And just as the seals have to go through their difficult training to get ready for battle, so the Christian endures, must endure the trials that God, yes, God sends his way in order to get him ready to fight the spiritual battle, in order to get him ready to be the man or woman of God God wants that person to be. And these things are not easy for any of us. By the way, I'm not thinking of anybody tonight when I'm talking about the subject of trials. Ryan has gone through some difficult times in the last year. And uh, I'm not talking about Ryan or anybody else. I'm not thinking about anybody. Um, but, you know, Ryan, even at the funeral, it, it causes you to think about eternity and about life. And these things are, it, you, you're, you're forced to face eternity. And, uh, and so I'm not referring to anybody in particular, but all of us will go through trials. God sends all of his people through trials in his own time, in his own way, and for his own purposes. And I, I, I can't sit here and define that for you. Only God knows what he's going to do with you in that. What may be a trial to you, by the way, is, may not be a trial for me. And what may be a trial for me, peculiarly designed for me, may not be one for you at all. And you may say, what's wrong with him? Uh, but God has designed each trial for each one of us. First of all, in verse 2, James gives a command concerning trials. He says, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Wow. I don't even like that verse. I, like the guy in Myanmar said when we were there, Mike, when we talked about the verse, uh, love your enemies, and he said, I hate that verse. Why? He had enemies he didn't like. And he didn't like to hear the words, love your enemies. Now, does any of us in this room love to hear the words, love your enemies? And when we see this verse, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. When you're in a trial, God says, I want you to be joyful. Our first reaction is we're puzzled by, by that. Why, why would we... Why would we want to be joyful in a trial? It doesn't make any sense. I mean, I, even I'm looking at this today again. This week I was thinking, why would I be joyful in a trial? I mean, my natural mind reacts that way. But God says to do that, right? He, it's a command, as a matter of fact. He says, consider it all joy. <clears throat> the word consider calls for a mental evaluation adopted as a result of due deliberation. You accept, you accept the, uh, a definite inner attitude to be joyful. It's a command. In other words, you look at your trial you're in, and you say to yourself, wow, this is a difficult trial, but God says be joyful in the trial. Therefore, I'm going to do what God says by his grace and with his help. That's what he's telling us to do. Accept the, the trial and be joyful in it. Now, I'm thinking to myself, man, I know I'm going to face a trial now because I'm doing this, right? Remember Habakkuk chapter 3? Um, but he says to be joyful in the trial, and he says consider all joy. All joy means pure joy or joy that's full or it's unmixed. It's not some joy and a bunch of grief added with it. It's not phony joy. You're not walking around with a fake smile, you know, showing everybody that you're pretending to be joyful. No, it's a real inner joy, inner, inner joy that, that God has brought about in your life. Trials don't bring us joy, by the way, but we should be joyful in the trial is what he's saying here. Uh, now, what were, <clears throat> what were the, the readers of James or the audience of James facing here? Well, they were facing probably, they say, persecution and dis displacement. It says in verse 2 they were dispersed abroad. These people were facing, Christians, facing persecution and displacement from their 
country or from their land or from their home, whatever, probably because of the persecution that started with Stephen. Some think because of the persecution that started with uh, Herod in Acts 12. But let me just read this to you quick. Acts 7, or Acts 8 rather, when Stephen was persecuted and was stoned to death. In chapter 8, it says this, Saul, who later on became the Apostle Paul, Saul was in hearty agreement with putting Stephen to death, getting, because Saul was trying to kill Christians. And on that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. I have to admire the apostles for standing strong in, the, in the Jerusalem still, by the way. Verse 2, some devout men buried Stephen and made loud lamentation over him. But Saul began ravaging the church, entering house after house, dragging off men and women. He would put them in prison. And so some people think, well, this persecution began during that time. Others think it began in Acts 12, where it says in verse 1, now about that time, Herod the king laid hands on some who belonged to the church in order to mistreat them. What? The world mistreating the believers? That's what it says in verse 2. And he had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. When he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. When he had seized him, he put him in prison and so on. And so wherever it began, nevertheless, they were under persecution they were dispersed abroad, going through difficulties. So you mean to tell me these believers were to take joy in this trial they were undergoing? That's what it says in the scripture here. James says to these people, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. That's amazing if you think about it. And, you know, this is not the long passage on this subject. There are many others in the, in the Bible. For example, let me just read these to you. Matthew 5, 11, and 12, Jesus said this. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. How about Romans 5, verses 3 and 4? Paul says, we exult in our tribulations. Exult in our tribulations, similar to the language James uses, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. Perseverance brings about proven character. Proven character brings about hope. We have hope in God as a result. What about Acts 16? When Paul and Silas were in prison, uh, about midnight, what did they do? Anybody remember? They prayed and they sang hymns of praise to God, it says in Acts 16, right? They're in prison, being persecuted, and what are they doing? They're singing hymns of praise to God. And it says the prisoners were listening to them, testimony to the, to the other prisoners there. So they, they, Paul did what James says here. He considered it all joy when he fell into a trial. <clears throat> so we have these other references, and there are many more. And so I ask, is it possible to be, to be joyful in trials? Well, it must be because God said to be that way. And you, know, you have the, uh, Ryan asked the question in Habakkuk 3, how is this possible for Habakkuk to have this reaction? Am I, am I right, Ryan? There's this response to difficulties. How is it even possible? Well, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how it is, probably. I just know that it, that it is. And God says to be joyful in the trials and rely on his strength. In many places in the Bible, Galatians 5.22, part of the fruit of the Spirit is, is uh, joy, right? We have joy. So it's supernatural. By the way, our natural reaction, I was saying earlier, is like the Israelites in Numbers 11. Numbers 11.1 1 says, 
you know, they were in the desert going through difficult times and uh, through, through trials. And yet, nevertheless, they complained the whole time. And Numbers 11 says the people were complaining as of those who complain under adver- adversity. And the Lord heard, and he was very angry with them, it says. And they said, the people said, we remember what it was like back in Egypt. We had, you know, we get to, got to eat the leeks and the garlic and the melons and the fish and the cucumbers. You guys want to go out to eat right now? And, and yet now we have to eat this manna we're getting, this manna from heaven every day that God's sending down. This is all we got? They were complaining about this, as someone in the nursery is complaining right now. And so you have the natural reaction to, to a difficulty is what? Complain, right? I mean, I've done it. I know. I've complained. Oh, man, why am I in this situation? Many, Mike knows I've complained many times. He, he's heard me. Why am I in this situation? I don't like this situation. And so this is a good, a good uh, passage for me tonight, too. Count it all joy when you fall in these trials. He says, James says, my brethren. And, you know, this only applies, this instruction only applies to believers because the world's not going to react this way. They're going to just, whatever, worry, wring their hands, uh, run, uh, try to get a determined look on their face, something, but not the way God says to react. It applies to my brethren. And James wanted them to know, look, I'm, you know, I'm in this with you guys, and we ought to minister to each other in trials. Like 2 Corinthians 1 says, it says, God comforts us in our trials so that we will be able to minister to others with God's comfort in their trials. See, we, have, we go through a difficulty, uh, and we can help others who go through the same difficulty. And so uh, we're to uh, minister to each other. And then it says in verse 2, uh, consider it all joy, my brethren, when, when you encounter various trials. It does not say if. You know, if it comes to the time in your life when you might encounter a trial, he never says that. He says when or whenever you encounter the trial, here's how you're, you're to react. In other words, guess what? If you belong to God, it's going to happen. You may have already gone through trials in your life. You may be going through a trial right now, or trials, plural, and, and but you're gonna, if, if not, you're going to go through, and myself as well, are going to go through trials <clears throat> because they're inevitable. He says when this happens, when you encounter uh, trials. We don't know when it's going to be, right? We don't know when it's going to be. Um, what if it's tonight that one of us in here goes through some difficult trial? What if, it's, what if it's tonight? We don't know. Don't be surprised when it happens. As Peter said, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal is to try you. Don't be shocked like some strange thing is happening unto you, but be ready. Be ready. Be armed with a mindset. Look, and I've, look, I'm preaching to you a message here that I probably shouldn't even preach to anybody. But, you know, this is the word of God. It's not about me. This is what the scripture says. And so we should all learn to be ready and armed with that right attitude of not being surprised, being ready for, with a joyful attitude. He says, when you encounter various trials, that literally encounter is falling into when you fall as the king james accurately puts it when you fall into various trials uh, <clears throat> it's uh, usually it's by the way it's the same word that was used in luke 10 30 when the man fell among thieves and the good samaritan came he fell among thieves same phrase as encountering various trials he fell into trials and it's just like someone's quoted this like like those thieves who surrounded the man so trials surround a believer with no escape. If God has you in a trial, uh, let him do his work. That's what the passage says, too. He says these trials are various. Um, 
there's, you encounter various trials. That word means many colored, like the colors, like many colors, <laughs> various colors. Uh, trials come in many shapes, right? Trials come in many sizes, many degrees. Maybe you're, you'll be faced with a trial of some kind of sickness. Uh, my niece, Sandin, went through a year of, all, you know that, all kinds of misery and a sickness. Uh, you may go through financial trials or trials with other people or a combination of all kinds of things hitting you at one time. And so it could, we don't know what it's going to be. Like I said earlier, the trials are peculiar to yourself. God knows what to do with uh, Omar. He knows what to do with, do with you, with you, Terrell, with you, Josh, with you. Um, what he sends Omar, he's not going to send me. Maybe the same, probably different, because he's got different purposes for all of us. So trials are there. I mean, they come in different shapes and sizes. And the word trials means trying or testing or proving. That's to make God is testing us. He's trying us. He's proving us to make us stronger in, in the Lord, right? So what's to be our attitude in trials? Consider it all joy. My brethren, when you encounter various trials, not enjoyment, but joy. Not a forced smile, like I said earlier, but inner confidence in God. You're trusting him even though you're going through a difficult time. Now, it's easy for me to say that, right? But if I was going through a trial right now, how would I be? I mean, I mean I'll be honest. I don't know. I hope I would react the right way. And so you have the command to, to be joyful. And then the reason for the command in verse 3. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Knowing is a knowledge grounded in the reader's personal experience. They had gone through trials. They knew, they knew about these things. It wasn't new to them. They understood beyond just the facts of a trial what it was like. You know, you go through something and you realize this is what it's like to go through it. It's one thing to know it theoretically. It's another thing to know it practically, right, in, in actual practice. And so they could, they could understand this that they were being tested, their faith was being tested. Testing of your faith, he says. The trials, someone else said this, their trials are the agents which test their faith and reveal its true nature. Uh, someone else said this, affliction or trials lets down a blazing torch for you into the depths of your own nature, your own soul, and you see many things which you little expect to see. You find your faith weak where you thought it strong. Your views dim where you thought them clear. And so trials are a very revealing process. They say they show you, wow, I'm not so great after all. I thought I had it together. I thought I was the man of God or the woman of God here. Nope, as it turns out, I'm not. God just brought me down and humbled me and showed me what I really was made of. And so then he, he brings you that. Why? Because he wants, he needs you that to, to get you to grow in grace, right? So it's a revealing process. And this is, James says, this is the testing of your faith. In other words, it's an individual test. It's not a corporate test. Unfortunately, he doesn't test the church all at one shot. Now, he may, but these are individual tests. And these are, uh, so I can't take the test for you. It's like in class. If you know, we have a test to take in math, I wish, if it's in math, I wish someone could take the test for me. I don't do very good in that subject. Um, but they can't. I've got to study and learn and go through the, the experience of it. And I can't take the test for you. And so God has a test for you. I can't, I can't, I can encourage you, pray for you, talk to you, help you as much as I can, but I can't go through the test, just like you can't go through mine. God's got individual tests. And it says here that this testing of your faith does what? What's the result? It produces endurance. Produces endurance. The word endurance means to remain under, remain under a heavy weight. It's the ability to endure something. 
uh, it pictures a person under a heavy load who resolutely stays there instead of trying to escape. Now, I talked about the SEALs earlier. One of the things they do when they're training, after they're completely exhausted, they pick up a, about four of them, they do everything in a team, pick up a heavy log, maybe 400 pounds, and they have to hold it up in the air like this and stand under it for a long period of time. And the drill sergeants out there, whatever they call them there, yelling at them and telling them to, and, they, and the guys, are, their legs are buckling underneath them like this, and they're wanting to let it down, and they're, they're struggling, their face is grimacing. They're dead tired already, and they got to do this now. <laughs> and they got to remain under the weight. And, the, and, the, and they're getting all kinds of grief while they're doing this. <laughs> but that's what this word is, staying under the weight, staying power, not giving in, not quitting. Not a quiet submission, rather, by the way, but rather it's confronting the difficulties with bravery and contending against them under the grace of God, of course. It's tenacity, it's stick-to-itiveness. Staying in there, hanging in there, even though things are difficult. Uh, one of the commentators, Barclay, says this, it enables a man to stand on his feet and face the storm. This staying power does. And like I said, this is not just, you know, we're pulling ourselves up on our own bootstrap. You know that from Scripture, that our strength is in the Lord, right? Ephesians 6, uh, and we find our strength in him. Be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus, 2 Timothy 2. And so we, we do these things in his, in his strength. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 1 says this in verse 3 and 4. Timothy, or Paul said to the Thessalonian believers, he says, <clears throat> Thessalonian believers, we ourselves speak proudly. This is Second Thessalonians 1, 4, by the way. We ourselves speak proudly of you among the churches. I thought we didn't like pride, right? I love it when this happens, this kind of stuff happens. Knock everybody's view down off a certain thing. Pride's wrong, by the way. They're the wrong kind of pride. We ourselves speak proudly of you among the churches. Why? Why are we proud of you? Because of your perseverance and faith in the midst of all your persecutions and afflictions which you endure. We're proud of you because you guys are hanging in there when the going gets tough. When things are getting difficult, you're staying in there and, and fighting the battles. You're not quitting. You're not running out on, on God and his purposes and his people. You're, staying, you're hanging in there. Remember the saints in Hebrews chapter 11. They were sawn in two. Isaiah, history tells us, was probably sawn in two. We don't know for sure. They were wandering around in caves and holes and dens. They were just persecution after persecution, right? And so these guys, they hung in there. And so the reason for the command to be joyful is so that we might become people that endure, persevere. It says that all through the scriptures. Always persevering, always enduring, right? What's the outcome? Verse 4. Let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Think about that for a minute. Our tendency in a trial is to run, cut and run, right? Let's get out of here because the fire's getting hot. But he says, no, hang in there and endure. Let endurance have its perfect result. Perseverance must finish its work. Don't let it be interrupted. In other words, don't let the trial be interrupted. Hang in there and let God teach you what he wants to teach you, even though it's difficult. That's what he's saying. You know, what, what grade would you get if you took a test and you, you stopped taking the test halfway through and turned the paper in? You'd fail, right? But that's what we do a lot of times as believers, where, you know, God puts us through difficulties. We don't respond the right way. You know, we cry about it instead of having joy. And it's like, well, you know, failed that test. We didn't really complete it. 
God's trying to work in our lives. He's, he's wanting to do something in our lives, and we're kind of fighting against him, interrupting the whole process. And, you know, uh, he says to endure it. How would it be if, uh, how would it be if the Navy SEALs received 50% of the training they get? Look, these guys protect our country, okay? Guys like this, they do things you don't even know about. They're top secret. They protect our country. How, well, do I want those guys out there without proper training? No, I want them to go through the brutality they go through because they're ready to do the job then to protect America. How would it be if they, if they didn't go to train them? And so, you know, let it have it, let, let the trial go on. Don't let it, don't interrupt it. <clears throat> so many, uh, we said 75% of the guys that trial for SEALs quit, right? So many just want to get out of the whole mess. Let's forget it. This is too tough. You know, I took Greek back a year, a long time ago in college, two years of it. Unfortunately, that's been renewed recently, but <laughs> another trial. <laughs> anyway, uh, two years a long time ago of Greek. Well, you know, people wanted to take college. I want to take Greek. I want to read the Greek New Testament. That's what I want to do. I want to read the Greek. How many here want to read the Greek New Testament? Come on, everybody here wants to read it, right? <laughs> Would you like to read it? Forget about the learning. Would you just like to read the Greek New Testament? Just the, just the reading aspect of it. Okay, everybody had that idea. I want to read the Greek New Testament. So the first day of class, first year, we had 40 students, 40 four, zero. In Greek class, I thought, man, this place is loaded in here. It's packed out. There's a lot of people taking Greek. Man, there's going to be a lot of Greek scholars in here. <laughs> the last day of the second year, you know how many people were left? About the same amount as the SEALs have in their percentages. There was eight people left. Eight people. 32 people went by the wayside in two years in Greek. Why? It's a difficult class. You start encountering grammatical rules in, in another language, foreign language, a dead language from the first century. You start talking talking about participles, which are difficult. Uh, you start talking about all this grammatical stuff. And after a while, it's like, wow, I, wait a minute. Well, wasn't the goal to read the, the Greek New Testament? They remind you that every once in a while. Yeah, but it got lost in all the gobbledygook along the way and just lost interest. But see, that's the whole thing. Now those people will never go anywhere with Greek because they, they didn't stick it out. And it's the same thing with trials, sticking it out so God can use you in a greater way. And he says here, in uh, verse, verse 3, so that you, here's a, here's a purpose clause, so that you may be perfect. You're, you're going through this, enduring, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That's the purpose. It shows that, that the in, intended outcome is in the realm of character development. God's trying to make us more like Christ. He's trying to make us more like, you know, conform to his will and purposes. The goal is stated here positively, positively and negatively. On the positive side, he says that you may be perfect. That means entire. By the way, perfect is not perfect here, okay? It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. Uh, it means you're going to be entire or complete. You're going to be a complete Christian. God's trying to make you a complete in Christ, complete Christian, to, so you can do the work he wants you to do. The word perfect indicates adult growth and maturity. It's like growing up from boyhood to be a full-grown man. You're growing up spiritually. He's using that as an illustration. He wants, you to grow up in, he wants us to grow up in our faith and be strong in the Lord. He says also, not only perfect, perfect but complete, which means whole, which are all the virtues that would characterize the mature believer. So God uses trials to make us mature in our faith, right? To make us mature men and women of God. That's why he's doing this. He wants us to grow up and be, become more like him. That's the positive aspect of this. Now, what about negative? Well, he says here, I want you to be lacking in nothing. 
lacking in nothing, literally in nothing, being left behind. Don't be left behind in any area. Stephen talked about deficiencies earlier. In no area does God want us to be spiritually deficient. He wants us to be strong in the Lord. He wants us to be complete, not deficient. I, my niece, Sandin, I talked about her earlier. <clears throat> she, years ago, went to college. You know, a lot of people go to college for a couple of years, and then they, and, and they drop out, right? And, well, she was one of those that did that. But then later on in life, she thought to herself, you know, I want to finish college. So, so, you know, I know. I didn't really care for college a whole lot either. So, so she went back to USF. And you know what she did? She finished. She went through the next couple of years, whatever it was, and finished the college, finished the course. And then after she finished, she got a letter in the mail from USF. And they said, Sandin, I didn't say her first name. Uh, they said, uh, you will not be able to graduate even though you finish your course. The reason is you haven't paid all your tuition. She thought, I did pay all my tuition. And the letter said, you owe us 28 cent. 28 cent. So you know what she did? <laughs> she went down, as I would have done, with a check written out for 28 cent and handed it to him. Not the coins. But she was deficient. You say, what's well, ridiculous, 28 cent? But it doesn't matter. Even that little bit would have not allowed her to graduate. And that's what God does. He works on us, even though to the nth degree, all the way until he's through with his program. Not what we think. Oh, I think we're through with the trial now, right, Lord? No, I'm not through with that. Let me do my, my job on you. And we're through when I'm through with you. And that's the way it is. And so no deficiencies. We're to have let endurance have its perfect result so that we may be perfect and complete, lacking in absolutely nothing. That's what God wants to do with us all. So <clears throat> what attitude will we have in trials? What attitude will we have? Will we let them... Will we let them have the better of us, or will we trust in the Lord and have that joyful attitude? He said, Johnny Erickson Tata, when she was younger, had the swimming accident and was troubled, I think, at first by that, and she was uh, paralyzed and uh, for the rest of her life. But then she realized God's working in my life. He's doing something. He's brought me through this tremendous trial, and I can't even walk. What's he going to do? And she committed her life to God, and <clears throat> God has used her all over the world in a wheelchair to minister to all kinds of people. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable because she committed herself to God and said, I'm going to be joyful in this trial and take what God has for me. And so will we, will we have this attitude when we face trials? Will we grow spiritually strong from the trials? Just remember, God is working in your life. You may not think he is. He's working in all of our lives. By the way, when the Navy SEALs finished their training, did they, uh, oh, thank goodness that 30-month brutality of training period is over with. Now I can take it easy and relax. Is that what they did? <laughs> no, the battle just began. Now they have to go to war. Now they've got to do secret missions in a foreign country somewhere where no one speaks their language and sneak around on beaches and stuff and hope they don't get caught and, and try to go and, and, and sneak in and they kill people and things like that, right? That's what they do. They do it secretively. They've got to do their, their mission and carry it out. They've got to go to war now. What do we do after a trial's over? Is it over with? We can Thank goodness that's over with. I can take it easy now. No, the spiritual battle is raging, right? God did this for a reason. Now we go to war, right? We fight the battle. Let's, we'll, we'll close with this. Everybody turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy 2.
And look what Paul said here. This morning in Sunday school, we heard uh, verses 1 and 2 of this. You there, let's start verse, verse 1. Therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That's a great word for us, strong in his grace. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men. And the emphasis was on entrusting things to the, the, the uh, discipleship to, to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Now look at verse 3. Paul says, Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Wow, that's a difficult verse. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. And that's what we want to do. God is going to take us through trials he already has to some degree. I don't feel like I've gone through great trials in my life. Whatever I've gone through isn't that great compared to many people. But he's going to bring further trials into our lives as we go along to make us the people he wants to be for him. And so we're to comply with God, right? Cooperate with him and allow him to do his work in us. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we do thank you for your word tonight and for uh, the passage here that always uh, tells us things that goes contrary to our nature. We pray we'd submit to your authority and your will and your purpose, Lord, allowing you to do what you want and cooperating with you in this work of God that you have for us here. We just pray this in Christ's name.